It's great to be back. And today we start a new series, a five-part series called Here I Am. And we're going to talk more about that in a little while. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer before I continue on with the message. Blessed Heavenly Father, at this moment I ask for your Holy Spirit to dwell in this place, to be in our hearts, to open our hearts to your word so that we may learn something about you, that we may be drawn closer to you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this five-part series that we're focusing on is Bible characters that have said, here I am when they were called by God. Here I am when called by God. And today, we're going to look at Abraham's story. When Abraham was called by God, he said, here I am, Lord. I am here ready to serve. I love these words, here I am. These words have a special meaning to me. When I was a basketball coach in Dallas, as you've heard me share some of the stories of my coaching days, this particular story was when Sammy stepped up and said, here I am. That night when we were playing basketball, we were low on players because some players did not step up on being in class, so their grades weren't uh, did not allow them to be eligible to play. And then a, a few of the other players were in foul trouble. And so as I looked down the bench on who I can call on, I realized I'm going to have to call on Sammy, a ninth grader on the varsity team, one of the younger guys who was still developing in skill. But, but something I, that I saw in Sammy that I did not even see in some of the better players in regard to skill, was that Sammy was a scrapper. He loved to play defense because he realized, I can't do much else. I'm not a good shooter. I have not yet learned that. I'm not strong enough to box out the bigger guys to get the rebound. So I'm going to commit to defense and move laterally. I'm going to put my hands up, and if the ball is right there for me to slap out of their hands, I'm going to do that. And that's what Sammy did. Sammy was tenacious. So when I looked down the bench, because I realized, because I realized we don't have any other players, I said, Sammy, Sammy. I called on to him. He ran up. He said, yes, Mr. Santos. He said, I'm here. I said, you're going in. He goes, I'm going in? I said, yes, you're going in. He was so excited. He went to the scorer's table, and then they buzzed him in, and he jumped right in, and he substituted one of the other players. And sure enough, what did Sammy do? Sammy stepped it up on defense. And I think, if I recall correctly, he had one steal, and he caused one ball to, he deflected one ball so his teammate could, could steal that ball. Sammy, because he decided to step up and say, here I am, I'm going to go in there and play. Here I am. In that context of the story, it's so important for a young man, for a child to know that stepping up is important. You need to step it up in your grades if you want to play in team sports, right? You have to say, here I am, here I am, ready to take the test, ready to, take, uh, ready to stay in class and pay attention to my teacher. Here I am. 
This concept of here I am, sometimes people can cower from that, but not Sammy. And today's story, we're going to look at a man. After many years of trials and tests from God, he was ready to step up and say, here I am, just like Sammy Moreno. So let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Verse 1, I, I believe we're going to go all the way to verse 17. So keep your Bibles open because we're going, to, we're going to unpack this story of what happens to Abraham. Here I am. You've got to show up. That's what it means to, to say, here I am. You're, you're wanting to show up. And so here now, in this part of the story, this part of Abraham's life, my Bible tells me there's a subtitle that says, Abraham tested. Verse 1, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Let's pause there for a second. And I want to talk about this idea that God tests. It doesn't sit well with some people. Maybe with some Christians, they don't like the idea that God tests. I know out there in the secular world, they, they believe that God is this God who, who just loves power, who, who loves to mess with people's lives is what the view of God is sometimes. Even amongst Christians, some Christians believe that they say, there's no way that God can test. That's a misconception. That's a misinterpretation of Scripture. But no, the Bible is clear, clear here that it says God tested Abraham. Why should we be afraid of a test? We're tested all the time, whether you know it consciously or subconsciously. It's everywhere in our society. Just in grade school, I'm looking at some of the kids here. From pre-K all the way to 12th grade, what do you have to do in order to advance? You have to pass your tests, right? You have to pass your tests. You have to pass the assignments. Even at home, there's a test. It's an unofficial test. Edre, on your way home, can you get, the bana- get some bananas and some eggs at the store? And then stop by the mailbox and grab the mail. Got it. Got it, babe. And then the second I go home, I open the door, and I say hi to Bobby, and Bobby says hi to me, and then she says, where's the eggs? Where's the bananas? I failed the test. I failed the test. That unofficial test, that test... Tests are all around us. Now, am I saying that Bobby was in, in, intentionally testing me to see if I will remember? No, she, she needed something. She asked me, and, and I forgot. I, I didn't show up. I wasn't there. Tests, it's all around us. If there's someone, if there's someone who has the right to test you and me, it's God. It's our creator. It's our creator. I took my car in one time to get repaired on the brakes. 
and when I got the car back, I realized it was squeaking more than ever. It wasn't working well. So I brought it back to that same mechanic. And when I got it back, it was still squeaking. And so when I called them and told them about the problem, they said, Edre, we're not very familiar with that car. You might have to bring it to, to its maker. So I had to call Toyota, who was the maker of that car. Do you see where I'm going with this? Why else? How, that is why God should be able to test us because he is our maker, our creator, who knows how we function, who knows how we work, who knows what, what we lack, who knows where we need to grow. Therefore, I say, let God continue to test us. Because this idea that God is a God who likes to mess with people's lives, that's so inaccurate. If anything, God is testing us not for his benefit, but for whose sake? For your sake. For my sake. Just like the test that I mentioned in school. In school you, you want to take those tests. You want to do your assignments so that way you can develop skills. Well, God tests you so you can develop character. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, Let us rejoice in sufferings, for su- sufferings produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, right? And character does not, and then character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, for we have hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why we receive this test. So here now, God has a test for Abraham, and he calls him. He calls Abraham. In my Bible, it says there's an exclamation mark. This means that there's urgency here. This means that he's calling Abraham, which is by name. Remember, when you're called, it's specific to you. It's by name. And if it's specific to you, it means that he has a blessing that is specific to you and to you alone. So he calls on Abraham, and Abraham says, Here I am, he replied. This phrase here, here I am, when Abraham says it, I want us to know that he says it, he said it, I should say that in the past tense, he said it with spiritual maturity. After the trials he had gone through in his life, he now is stepping up to God. He's stepping up to listen to what God has to say. He's stepping up, he's ready at this point, and it only took him how many years? At this point of the story, some historians guess it's been 120 years that he's finally saying, here I am. Well, what happened to Abraham up to this point? In Genesis 12, I'll just summarize that chapter, that's the first time that God tells Abraham that there's going to be a promise, that he's going to be the father of all nations. And he's 75 years old at that point. 75 years old when he's told by God that you're going to be the father of many nations. Who here 
is young, uh, is, is older, or is in their 70s, right? Just think about that idea that you're being called by God to be the father of nations at the age of 75. So Abraham believes him, and days, months, years down the road, he's struggling with this idea. He's thinking, I'm going to be father of nations, but God, there's a problem. I don't have a child. If you go to Genesis chapter 15, after Genesis 12, after he receives that promise, God reaffirms to him that he's going to be the father of many nations. And look at what Abraham says here in Genesis 15. He says in verse 2, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will become my heir. He has these concerns. Abraham is struggling with this promise from God, saying, Okay, you're saying I'm going to be the father of many nations, but, but where, where? How? Where's my child? Where's my heir? Do we have that same situation or that same battle with God every now and then? I think so. We've received promises, perhaps. We see the promises that we have in the Bible, deliverance of, from, from our challenges, but then months become years and years become more years, decades. And that's what happens to Abraham. At 25 years old, he receives the promise that he's going to be the father of nations. And not until he's 100 years old, 25 years later, does Sarah give birth to Isaac. I'm trying to put this into context because there's been several times God had called Abraham and he never said, here I am. Not until we come to this story in Genesis 22, where he is now able to say, here I am. This idea of finally showing up. And I think with him saying, here I am, he is showing maturity in his growth with God. So now he is before God, and God said to him, Take your son, your only son, an emphasis that this son is a very special child, that this child bears the promise of countless generations to come, countless nations that will come from this child. That's why God emphasized, Take your son, your only son, your only son, Isaac, of course, this is also reminiscent of John 3.16. Take your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now you think about that for a second. To get some type of command or instruction from God to take your child and to sacrifice him on that mountaintop that God has told you to climb up to. 
in the other stories, if you were to look at Abraham's other experiences with God, he's always questioning God. But what do we not see here? He's not questioning God up to this point. At this point in his life, he has no qualms. He has no argument. He has no questions. He's not questioning God. Because the next thing that that the Bible says in verse 3, it tells us that he, there's no questioning. If anything, he takes action. He's obedient to God. In verse 3, it says, early the next morning, Abraham got everything he needed. He, got, he, he brought a couple of servants with him, and he took his son Isaac with him, as well as, as wood in order to create that, that offering, Right? He takes all of that and he makes his way to Moriah, to Mount Moriah, to climb up that mountain to sacrifice his, his son. He's not arguing with God. This says a lot about the growth of his faith. It says a lot. He's in complete obedience so then in verse 6, it tells us Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And this is really the first part where we see this older, uh, this boy who has now become a man. A lot of historians believe that Isaac was around the age of 16 or 20. And just within context alone, within context alone, him carrying the wood, I believe he was of that age where he had to be strong enough to carry that wood. Now, we know that Abraham got instruction from God that you're going to sacrifice your one and only son. So the amount of wood he had to take up there had to be the right amount of wood that would consume a human body. Have you ever thought about that? It had to be enough wood. Now, I'm not an expert with fire. I'm not an expert on wood, but one thing I've learned in camping is if I want to roast marshmallows and hot dogs, and I'm not comparing Isaac to marshmallows and hot dogs, but if I want to roast hot dogs, I'm taking, it takes about five logs of four by four and about six, uh, 14 to 16 inches long to make a nice hot embers and charcoal that will roast my food. Five logs. Five logs I can carry with no problem. Then you give me two more or three more, make it eight, then it becomes a little heavier. The most I've carried by myself has been 14 logs, and that's already, it's heavy, but at the same time it's painful because you got splinters just digging into you, right? So then how many logs will it take to consume an entire human body. Isaac could not have been a boy. He was a lot older than Keo and Kai, definitely. He must have been at least, I believe, 18, 20 years old. He had the strength to carry these logs up the mountainside. Now, let's stay with Isaac. Let's continue to talk about Isaac. Because many times when we, when we read this story, the focus is on Abraham. 
We talk about Abraham's faithfulness to God. We talk about Abraham saying, I'm stepping up, here I am. But what about Isaac? In this story, Isaac shows great faith as well. He has to. How do I know this? Well, the context of the story. Because once father and son make it up the mountain, verse 9 says this. Okay, When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Now what the Bible doesn't tell us is how, how Isaac must have felt. It doesn't tell us his feelings. It doesn't tell us what he's thinking. But what I can imagine is that Isaac was obedient. How do I know this? He didn't fight his dad. It does, the Bible does not tell us that he, he, restra- he fought the restraints. It doesn't tell us that. He, it doesn't tell us that when he saw his dad take out the knife, that he lunged for the knife. If anything, I get the picture that Isaac was willing to lay, lay himself down on those logs. He was a bright man. The preceding verses, he even asked his dad, Dad, where is, where is the ram? The sheep, the lamb that we're going to sacrifice. And what was Abraham's answer? He said, God will provide. The faith of these two men The faith of Abraham at this point in his life, not arguing with God, going up that mountainside, willing to take the steps to sacrifice his son, and the faith of that young man, Isaac, his son, to willingly lay on those logs says a lot. You know what this also tells me? Especially if you're a parent, I want you to listen to this. I'm not a parent, but I have this experience from the child's side, from the children's side. Are you a mom? Are you a dad? Living your life with God so much that the faith you have is recognized by your child. Is your faith recognized by your child so much that they're willing to follow you all the way into the fire? And in this case, in this story, it's going to be a literal fire had, had the sacrifice actually happened. I want to pause on that for just a while. Have you lived such a life, a faithful life, that your children can see that faithfulness in you? And because of that, they choose to follow God as well. My mom was always big on that. My dad, for the, all the, sh- you know, they're, they're, they're human. My parents both had uh, their shortcomings. But the one thing that I never doubted for my parents was their faithfulness. Even to this day, as an adult, my mom is always telling me, are you praying enough? Are you praying every day? Are you praying for those challenges? 
Are you praying during the happy times? She used to tell me that a lot as a teenager, and it just drew, drove me crazy. I'm like, Mom, you're using prayer as a cop-out. I really thought she was just copping out just because she didn't know what else to say. She would just say, pray, but, but little did I know how much she really meant it. Little did I know how much she prayed every single day for me and my two sisters for her family. Little did I know that my mom is, a, is an absolute prayer warrior. And I'm glad I le- learned that lesson from her. Because there's been moments in my life where there's nothing else that could be done except me praying to God. Do you live such a life that others can recognize the faithfulness in you, that they're willing to follow you to the darkness parts, willing to follow you into the fire. Isaac was willing to do that because of Abraham's faith. Because Abraham stepped up and said, here I am, God. Isaac was willing to do the same thing. Here I am. And I'm going to lay down on those logs and I'm going to trust that something good is going to happen. And if it, if it causes my life to be taken away, then, then I, must have, I must believe that he must have thought that as well, that that's what should have happened. <clears throat> Verse 10. Then Abraham reached out <clears throat> his hand and took the knife <clears throat> to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord, I would almost like to add a word in here. But the angel of the Lord immediately called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, Abraham says again. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, that fear of reverence, that fear of worship, that fear of adoration. Now I know that you truly fear God because you have not withheld anything from God, not even your son, your only son. That is faith amplified. That is faith shining bright before others. And here's the blessing. Here's the true blessing. So Abraham looked up and there in a thicket saw a ram. He saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. That's a blessing, but that's not the blessing. Here's the blessing that I want to point out. The blessing is in verse 14, when Abraham is able to proclaim that this place shall now be called the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. There's an epiphany that happens with Abraham here. He realized that God will always provide. That's the absolute blessing. So what did the Lord provide? And I'll close with this remark. What did the Lord provide? At surface level, you and I can easily say that the Lord provided that ram to sacrifice. But that's not the only thing that God provided that day. 
the thing that God truly provided that made the greatest impact in Abraham's life was the faith that Abraham has. The faith that only came from the test that God gave him. You want your faith to grow? Be careful what you pray for because God is going to test that faith. But then once your faith is tested and you come out of that fire unblemished, then you will realize that God truly did provide for you. Provided safe, uh, safety, provided a friend perhaps, provided healing, what was it? God provides. I don't know the provision you seek from God today. Some of you I do know. But each of us has a need. Each of us has a burden in our heart. And if you want to be able to see how God provides, you need to take the first step of coming up and to tell him, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. At this moment, I'm going to ask the Palmers to come up as we come to the closing. And I hope you can continue to join us through the next five weeks as we go through this series of Here I Am. Next week, we're going to look at Jacob's story of how Jacob steps up and what blessings come out of it. If you want to be blessed by God, brothers and sisters, I highly recommend that you listen to his call. You, you listen to his call, and then you take that action that you step up. That you step up and say, Lord, here I am am. Here I am. Just like Abraham did. Then you can say, I know you will say that God truly provides. If there's a lesson that I want you to take out of this message today, because we're going to keep on looking at the stories, right? We're going to keep looking at the here I am's uh, of, of other characters. From Abraham's story, I want you to see that God truly does provide because he's a loving God. The other thing I want you to draw from this story is that God is truly the author and perfecter of your faith. Therefore, rejoice in your sufferings. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice.